True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And welcome back to the program. Well, tonight we have some new stuff to talk about in the Missy Beavers case. And we also just kind of wanted to update a few things that we talked about last time on Chris Watts and then add to that. So we'll do that toward the end of the podcast. And um, Renee, how's your day going? Well, doing pretty good. Just staying busy and trying to um, get ready for Thanksgiving. We got that coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be good. Yep. Are you making a ham? Sorry about my straw noise. Oh, you're good. Yeah, are you gonna I, Are you gonna make a ham after all? Yeah, I am going to. I um, I just have to. I think I've got everything but the ham. So I'm gonna get that ready, and then we just got Christmas just coming up as fast as it can. <laughs> I know, right? Things have just been wild, and COVID, and people not coming over as much, and all that stuff. It's so crazy. But okay, so we have um some things to go over. Um about the Missy Beavers case and um, we'll get to the news next. But um, first of all, I thought we would discuss this. My husband and I had this conversation the other night and he said that he always felt like the Austin trip could have been a trigger. Now let's think this through. Missy Beavers went to that total transformation, which is a program through Camp Gladiators <clears throat> and Camp Gladiator is based in Austin. So they have all of their big, like, rah, rah, you know, like get togethers, what do you call those conventions and mm-hmm. meetings and stuff and classes, and whatnot. They do all that at their home base in Austin. And that's where Missy was the weekend before she was killed. And, you know, it's, you know, my husband's been um, following along this case with us all these years. And he just has always kind of been like, you know, what there seems like there could be a connection with the Austin trip. Like somebody was home, maybe stewing about wanting to harm Missy and then waiting for her to get back. Now he's not saying that's what happened. Of course, we're all just throwing our best guesses around because we so badly want to figure this out. Um, But here's something that's kind of, that kind of grabs me is that Missy got home from Austin. Our best guesstimate is that she got back late afternoon. Um, So that means that she was murdered about 12 hours after she got back in town. And I guess my question is, is that a coincidence or did the perpetrator know she was on that Austin trip and was just sort of sitting there waiting for her to get back? And then another thing is, what Mike was saying, and I tend to agree is I used to say this a lot. There seems to be some urgency to her being murdered. Then, you know, it's, it's, we've talked about this before you wake up in the morning and it's pounding rain. I mean, even one of the dedicated early birds, as um, some people call them, the early arrivers that did the four 30 workout, Renee, you know, I'm talking about, I do. um, those people, even one of those people fell out because of the rain. Remember that? She woke up yeah. and went, no, it's raining, not going, sorry. Right. Well, um, the perpetrator was not deterred by the rain at all. They were there 
um, breaking into that building. We see them on camera the first time at 3.50. It was pounding rain at the time. So this is a person that seems to be on a mission um, to kill Missy, and they were ready to do it then, and they weren't going to let the weather get in their way. Or, I know you and I have talked about this, Renee, it's possible that the rain was a good thing. Like they wanted it to be raining because you can kind of sneak in and out under radar a little better. People notice you less when it's pounding rain. They're trying to operate their own vehicles and everyone's a lot more focused on their own cars in the rain and their own safety. You're a lot less likely to notice things. Um, and, and, and also it's more difficult to see things when it's raining. Of course, the dark, it being dark outside and raining was probably a comfort to this perpetrator um more than likely it's certainly they've gotten to this point uh well past four and a half years of not getting caught so um what are your thoughts on that um renee just sort of the whole um did they you know the rain and the timing i mean why didn't they kill miss my my husband's question was what changed between missy's last class the previous week and that morning what was the catalyst what made that person say i'm going to go kill her at that church morning at four o'clock well you know i um i've thought about this a lot of course over the years and of course i do have to agree about the weather number one when it's raining like that you know in the morning obviously the skies are not clear so the sun is not gonna you know come shining through and be it's not gonna be daylight it's gonna actually appear as though it's dark longer uh, which is a, you know, a plus for the killer, unfortunately. Because, um, you know, obviously if it's more daylight, they people can see more and, you know, whatever. So I think that they had a lot of things uh, to their advantage, you know, with the weather, the darkness, the rain, that all keeps it uh, harder to see them. And then I don't think that it would be so hard to have gotten information um, especially with, you know, us thinking and believing, and I think this is, this speaks for a lot of people, um, that this person had some sort of ties to Missy, whether it was someone in her immediate circle, and I don't mean family, but I mean, you know, somewhere friends along the way, maybe, um, you know, all the different possibilities, but there's a very good possibility that they knew about not only um, her coming back from her trip from Austin, but also her husband uh, just happened to be taking his yearly annual fishing trip that he took at the same time every year. Um, I believe it was almost the exact same time, yeah. April, somewhere in that what second week of April. Yeah, and and he um, goes with the same group of guys at the same location right. every year. And I was going to mention that next. Um, that was the second point was um the uh was it a so was it a coincidence that it was raining and was it a coincidence i mean by coincidence that it was raining i mean did the perpetrator look at the forecast and say i'm gonna go that night that it's raining a lot or am i gonna wait until it's clear that kind of thing and then the other thing is was it a coincidence that her husband was her husband was out of town you know as you just said brandon was out of town so did the perpetrator know that, um, you know, both his and Missy's Facebooks were wide open at the time. So it's possible they certainly could have seen that. 
they open they openly discussed his upcoming trip on Facebook. So it would have it could have easily been seen by people who are not their Facebook friends at that point. Um, right. So I don't really know. Um, was that a coincidence or not? It's going to be interesting if we ever hopefully get this thing solved and find out these details because it really these are the things that we have really pondered so much over the years. But you know also. You know, Mike was saying, too, on the flip side, rain will introduce some really huge inconveniences, too. For example, um, you know, it it just makes rain just tends to make everything harder. Like you and I have talked about it, even going to the grocery store in the pouring rain, it's suddenly a huge pain in the butt. Whereas going to the grocery store is not, you know, that big of a deal. But if it's pouring down rain, anything becomes a big deal. Going and getting the mail becomes a big deal. Um, So, you know, that's kind of interesting to look at it that way. And I was just thinking that maybe like you and I laughed about this once and it's so true that like we could see us, walking in somewhere with our wet feet and our feet coming out from under us and falling on our yep. butts, you know, because of the, look, if you look at that tile in the church, that would be very slick tile. If you had wet feet, right. Um, and my feet would easily get out from under me. I've done it before. Um, and on tile like that so it's kind of interesting i just don't know is it was the rain i guess overall obviously it proved to be a good thing for the part because they haven't been caught and it messed with people's visibility and stuff so well you know and it not only that but it would also um be possibility that it could wash away any type of evidence that may be on the perp right or that they have transferred anywhere but a lot of people have made the point to say the perp doesn't look wet. And even though the camera or the surveillance, whatever, isn't uh, the best quality, I still think that we could see water. Yeah, it's hard really to say. Do. You know, with that being a dark outfit and it being dark except for where the there's just very little light in there. And then the camera is illuminating the perpetrator. And then there's a little bit of lights on inside, like little safety lights. But, yeah, hard to say if we could tell. If I mean, was- I feel like. I feel like it would be on the floor or something. I don't know. I just feel Mm -hmm. like that there was so much rain that day um, that it would be showing somewhere. But anyway, I don't know. I think Mm -hmm. it it was definitely a a positive for them, unfortunately, that they had. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that because here we are. We're going on five years here, folks. I mean, it's almost, what is this? It'll be December here pretty soon. And mm-hmm. then April 18th, the, the, the five-year mark. That is just really, really sad. Yep. Um, okay. So we were also going to discuss, um, we have a local radio station here, an AM station here in the Dallas area. It's been around forever. Like I remember my dad listening to this when I was little. It's called KRLD. And they made an announcement since we've talked to you guys last that they brought in a new federal um, agent who is actually a retired federal federal agent to assist. I guess he's going to be like a independent contractor, work for MPD for a while and be exclusive to this case. It said that he's going to be um, or he or she will be working on this case and a couple of others exclusively. And they didn't specify the other cases. Renee, I know you've got that queued up for us if you want to play that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Reporting's hoping a new investigator will help crack 
a four-year-old murder case. The person who killed Missy Beavers was seen on video disguised as a cop, but nobody was ever arrested for killing the fitness instructor as she set up for a class at the Creekside Church of Christ in Midlothian. Now a fresh set of eyes will look at the case in the form of a retired fed. He's looking exclusively at this case and then one or two others and just taking it from the uh, from the start uh, with the uh, with the information that we have and, and seeing that a fresh set of eyes can, can you know, maybe bring this thing home and help us out. The case is so old that now Assistant Chief of Police Scott Brown wasn't even with the department when it happened. He says they still get 10 to 15 tips a week, mostly through social media. And that's it, right? That's it. Is, that yep. where, is that where it ended? Did he say anything after yeah. social media? No, that was it. That was it. Okay. Well, that's the big announcement. So that was some news last week. Um, we didn't record last week, so we're just now reporting it now. That's really, that's really the only thing we've heard about the Missy Beavers case from MPD in years. Yep. And I have to think that somebody at KRLD must have a connection at MPD and was able to pick up the phone and talk to him because... I mean, no other media outlet has reported anything. Yeah, and we had heard um, that this new person on the case, it didn't actually happen just like last week. It was actually months ago. Oh, really? But I guess, yeah. But we just, I mean, we don't know a date or anything. Interesting. So we just know it wasn't two weeks ago. (laughs) Okay. See, I didn't realize that. Um, Okay. So we've talked about the urgency and the Austin trip. Um, and about him being out of town. Okay, so you've got some really pretty good news about the billboard. Yes. Okay, so um, we have um, some news on the on the chips that you know have been coming in for the case. And ever since we put the uh, billboard up, it was up September seventeenth, and so December seventeenth, it'll be three months, and. We just found out that, so in October, it would have been one month. Tips went up in October three times more than before it went up. That's amazing. So we're happy to, yeah, we're happy to announce that it, it has been bringing in more tips. Um, so that's good news. And um, that's just with Crime Stoppers. We, we don't know any information about tips that have came into the police department specifically. So that's something that we don't know. I'm not sure we can find out about that like an update on that but we can try and figure that out right but that i'm glad to know that it's it's bringing in tips because you know we weren't sure right yeah at first we were concerned but yeah i would say the tips tripling is really that's a success so i'm happy with that yeah Yeah, let's hope hope some of these tips are the right ones and something will really help out and i like to think that maybe that's why they brought this fed on maybe there's some new stuff cooking and who knows i mean they might bring they might have brought this retired fed on because it was just you know things just weren't going well or it could be because they're really zeroing in on something and they just needed an extra push some extra help i hope so me too um Okay, so that's cool. We'll put this on social media. Do you think we should put on our social media the chart that they sent us, Crime Stoppers? Sure. Okay. And then um, our next order of business is um, we were going to talk about, um, oh, yeah. Remember the 911? Okay, so we were looking, Renee and I, before we started recording tonight, we were looking at the MPD, Midlothian Police, had put out their own official timeline of what happened. 
And on there, it said there was two 911 calls that came in. But Renee, did you want to elaborate? Yeah, it, it basically said that there were um, there were two 911 calls, like you said. But on the calls for service log, the one that I um, had went to the police department and picked up, I guess it's been, what, a couple months ago? Yeah. Um, there, was, there was only information on one 911 call. So we're kind of curious as to what, what would be a reason why only one of those would be logged. Yeah. And I remember a long time ago when somebody in the groups had said the, the call log from just that day, you had like that whole month or whatever. And I remember seeing it back then and just thinking, why, why would they only record? I thought that those 911 call logs were super serious and they would have each and every one on there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't understand that either. That's an interesting question. If anyone out there listening knows why they would Maybe if it's a duplicate call, maybe the person was saying the exact same, or maybe it might have been like nine one one call. Maybe help you, and they might have said I'm at Creekside Church. Someone they would have said they might have just said we are currently talking to someone else on the scene. Um, no need, you can hang up now. You know, we're on the way. Yeah. You know, maybe that's yeah. all that was said. Right. Um, you would think that they would have to take each one seriously and at least assess it because you never know. They might have had two nine one one situations in the same location. You know, I don't uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. You would think, but anyway, it's it's a good question, and and we've uh, wondered. We've we've talked about it before. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast specifically, maybe, but it's just a question that we ponder. So if anybody knows, anybody that works for maybe a nine one one, you know, somewhere in some city and knows the answer to this. Let us know if, if every call that comes in has to be logged, no matter if it's a, you know, prank call or a duplicate call or whatever. Right. And um, so then um, on the, Oh, this is funny, Renee, you know, I was going to correct myself on a couple of things from our Chris Watts episode, but back mm-hmm. on our Randy Beavers episode, which was before that one, um, we have been talking about the condition he has that makes him that makes it impossible for him to be the perp, right? Because right. he couldn't snap his neck back like that to look at the mm-hmm. Dutch door when it opened at the top. Well, you had said it right. You had said it was called spondylitis. Well, when I mm-hmm. referred to it a minute or two later, I called it spondylosis. So I just wanted to <laughs> correct myself because it just sounded real silly. Um, and then um, the corrections I wanted to make um, from the Chris watts episode is i made a couple of silly errors i just wanted people to know that i listened to the episode and realized that i sounded goofy but um whenever i was talking about them going on an outing one time with um with chris's parents i accidentally said that shanann's mom was marching ahead and ignoring shanann so that's probably sounded weird but hopefully I think most people realized I was talking about Chris's mom. Cause that's who we were talking about. But for some strange reason, I said Shanann's mom at that point. So I just wanted to correct that. And then I, and you know, I didn't even notice. I mean, I noticed, I didn't notice that you said Shanann's mom. I actually, in my mind had Chris Watts mom in my head. So funny? I, I, I guess I interluded it myself and fixed right. it in my brain because to me, you said it right. It's so funny <laughs> how our minds will fix those things. Like, in ty- like if you see a typo and stuff, you'll just go ahead yeah. and read it the right way. Um, right. And anyone, anyone getting messages from me needs to know how to do that. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and then, um, oh, and then we were wondering, okay, I had read that Nicole Kessinger, his girlfriend that he was seeing behind um, his wife's back, behind Shanann's back, was Googling Chris back in 20, 
2017, but they didn't meet at work until 2018. And you were like, no, that's not true because she didn't work there yet. I found out what happened. Apparently, um, the police had gotten that messed up, but it had already gone into several media outlets. Okay. I had read that wrong. And the reason why, and you know, that's so interesting too, because the thing, I don't know about you, but being so, so, so into the Missy Beavers case and researching it these last four and a half years, it has really taught me how much the media gets wrong. And I'm not bashing the media. It's hard to keep this all straight, but it's amazing how much stuff can just get mixed up, you know? Um, so that was just sort of an example how that got in the media and it really wasn't the media's fault. Cause I think that the police misreported it by accident and then it just kind of took off from there. It's hard to retract those things later because they get, you know, they get sent all over the internet. Um, so what's the corrected one? Cause I'm confused now. They didn't really correct it. They just said that, um, that was apparently incorrect that she had been Googling him in 2017. They didn't offer any explanation. Okay. So they didn't say that she did or didn't start the job in 2018. I think that's all still accurate. They just said that they were, they incorrectly said that she had been Googling him a year prior. Okay. So now I'm confused. (laughs) Okay. So she was Googling Shanann. Well, no. Before she started working there? No. She was supposedly, oh. uh, police had reported to the media that sh- that um, Nicole Kessinger was Googling Chris's name in 2017. So she must have been lying about um, the when they started dating, basically. But what they found out later is they're like, we're sorry, that was inaccurate. So just eliminate that piece of information. They didn't offer any rebuttal. They just said, or any correction. They just said, that's not true. Okay, so don't let me drive you crazy here, but no, I'm just not. trying to understand it. <laughs> for anybody else that may be on my page for a minute, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But um, okay, so I was understanding it like this. So she came to work for the company in April of 2018, mm-hmm. and then they started dating in June mm-hmm. June of 2018. I think they were flirty. They were sending flirty emails in May, but yeah, they got together yeah. in June. Yeah. In June, and then they and then the murders happened in, in August. Mm-hmm. So, did she start working there? Because I thought that was the key point was that she started working there in April. So, how did she start Googling Shanann or what not Googling, right. but whatever? And, 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 and your think, thinking was accurate because I found out later after our podcast was over, I decided to mm-hmm. look into that like the next day or whatever. And it police did retract that later. Okay, but what part? That that she was Googling Chris Watts in 2017. Okay, so that's the part that didn't happen. Yes. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go over it twice. That's I just okay. was confused about no, what I'm, part. I'm sorry if I didn't state that clearly. It's okay. Um, okay, I just wanted to understand it because I thought that was interesting. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. No, your your reaction was accurate. And I had a feeling you were right. So that's why I wanted to look it up so I could figure out what happened. Like, why did I read that? Because that, that doesn't right. make sense that she would be Googling him before she met him at work because chances are pretty good yeah. that you didn't know each other before then. Um, Unless she's so good that she applied for the job and got it and was like, well, all right, now I can be even closer to him. You know, <laughs> That's right. Know. Or maybe she went and applied Weird there. Weirder things have happened. <laughs> right. But it did get retracted by police. So I think it's pretty safe to say that that was just not accurate. But um, okay. 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 So moving on. Um, 
Also, here's something else that was really, really weird was, you know, those interviews, you and I used to talk about this a long time ago before we even had a podcast and before, definitely before we discussed, you know, talking about this case on a podcast, but, um, the way that Chris appeared in all those TV interviews right after his um, wife was murdered, he would say stuff like he would stand on his porch and kind of rock back and forth with his arms folded in front of him. And he kept saying this phrase, I have no inclination of where they could be. I've exhausted everything. I have no inclination. He said that in almost every single interview. And that's just such a strange word to use. I mean, I bet. It's like rehearsed. Yeah. And I bet you that he never speaks that way in real life. Like I have no inclination of where they could be. That's just kind of a, it's like a super formal way of speaking. And people tend to do that when they're nervous or lying or what, you know what I mean? I have no inclination of where they could be. I just found that interesting. Every time he said it, I was just like, what? That just sounds very unnatural. And he would say that when people would ask where he thought his family was. So just kind of an an interesting little hint that something was off. I mean, at least for me. Um, And then here's something really weird. After he killed his beautiful family and stuffed those little girls in those oil tanks, you would think that he would just be in a horrible state of mind, right? Well, apparently, just a few hours later, he's at his work computer, and he Googled a Metallica song to get the lyrics. And I saw this. This was reported many places, but I saw the the particular report I was looking at was in People magazine. And they reported that he murdered his wife and kids. And just a few hours later, he Googled the lyrics to the Metallica song, Battery. The name of the song is Battery, and the lyrics are, um, here's a little bit of the lyrics, smashing through the boundaries, lunacy has found me, pounding out aggression, turns into obsession, cannot kill the battery, cannot kill the family. Wow. Yeah, and so then, so at 5.30 in the morning, he's loading the bodies up, and just a few hours later at work, he's Googling that song just really really weird she had just returned from that trip at like 2 a.m and he's googling those lyrics later that morning after he killed everyone and it's just it's just a the craziest thing um now here's some other behavior that i forgot to bring up on the last episode about chris watts is he was you talk about showing zero remorse the the lyrics are one thing but he this is so bizarre he called the girls schools and said oh, that's right he said they're not going to be coming back <laughs> i mean the only reason i'm laughing is just because it's like are you trying to get caught yeah he thought i think he thought in his mind like um you know i'm going to plan this out and people are going to believe that they just ran off you know she was so mad at me that she just took them off and went somewhere else and everybody's just going to let it go and so he's going to take them out so they nobody will call he's he's an idiot seriously and um (laughs) so yeah so he calls the girls schools and says yeah you know we're probably going to move away or something but they're not coming back and then he this is really classic he calls his realtor I remember that. And he too. wants to talk about selling his house. Who does that when your entire family is just missing? He knew they weren't coming back. And that made him look even more guilty. He just doesn't. I mean, I'm glad that he's not smart and that he got busted really quickly. But 
also I'm just listening to this and it's just exasperating. It's like, you're just really dumb guy. Um, just not smart at all. That's just such a weird thing to do. And I'm sure when his realtor found out his whole family's missing, she was just thinking, why did he call me? That should have been the last thing on his mind. He should be hoping they should all come back and live happily ever after in that same house. Like, why would he be making plans to move? Yeah, and like who, I mean, did he think that it was going to speed up the process that much more because he called that much, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, well, we're missing, but I'm going to call real quick just so I get a little bit of a head start. Like, really? I mean, he was just chomping mm-hmm. at the bit to get his new life started with Nicole Kessinger, and it's just clear in all of his actions. So interviews. The more recent ones, he's just, what happened to him that day? he was being controlled by someone else or something else and it's just like yeah he said he he described it as being obsessed with her he said that if he would have never met her he probably would yeah, have never no, killed it's his just family so weird <laughs> very weird but, okay hmm. so i think that was about all that i was um, going to touch on with chris watts did you have anything to add to that yeah, I wanted to talk about one thing I found interesting. Um, so Chris Watts became prison buddies with a man by the name of Jake Thomas Patterson. He uh, kidnapped a girl by the name of Jamie Lynn Kloss. Um, she lived in Wisconsin. So what he did, and apparently it was random, he went into the home, he shot mm-hmm. um Jamie's father, who was James Kloss, he was 56. Um, Denise Kloss, which is Jamie's mother, and Jamie went into the bathroom and barricaded themselves inside the bathroom. Um, he forced his way in, shot Denise, and grabbed Jamie and took off. He took her to a remote cabin, and they were there for mm. 88 days. He had her under the bed, and he actually um, had like a get-together he told her if she came out from mm. under the bed, he was going to kill her. So the girl mm. learned his patterns and the different things that he did like consistently. And when she had got the first opportunity, she escaped. Um, she was in the home from October 15th to January 10th. She escaped. The police went out and he was arrested. And now he's serving life in prison. Um, I said all that story to say this. He met Chris Watts in prison and they became, um, Basically, um, he okay. So, Chris describes himself as a mentor to him. Uh, that the uh, it, they met, they became close, they bonded on a spiritual level. They read they read Bible passages together. Um, but since then, Patterson's now in New Mexico, so they just stay in touch. I guess they have to mm-hmm. like write each other or whatever. But I just mm-hmm. found it very interesting that both of them had such a. They were both spending life in prison. Um, and I just, uh, can you imagine the two, like, well, you know, I don't know. Just, you know, when I was going not. to go to a final walkthrough about, I don't know, four or five nights ago. And I told you that I was in the car listening to crime online, mm-hmm. you know, the Nancy Grace podcast. And I said, I was listening to the Chris mm-hmm. Watts one. She talked about this, about mm-hmm. him. And she goes, well, they just became fast friends. <laughs> it was really funny. And then she said, um, she also pointed out something else. Let me think of what it was. I thought about it while you're talking. Um, oh, the thing about Chris Watts finding religion. You were saying that. She said, uh-huh. she, mm-hmm. one of her guests pointed out that when you practice a religion or if you go to something like AA, 
they let you they let you out of your cell to mm-hmm. go do it so she thinks it's just a big like he's oh. just a total con artist like he's he's saying that i'm super religious now and it's basically just so i can get out of a cell and go attend services or go do whatever it is you do go you know to the prayer room or what have you i mean that's kind of a that's kind of cynical but yeah. it's very possible from what we know about chris watts well, you know, and not only that, but he um, obviously he has said, and I've listened to a couple podcasts on this, also different ones from the ones you're talking about, and he has said that um, he understands what he did was wrong. He's very, I mean, he uh-huh. hates that he did what he did. Um, he was very obsessed with Nicole, and he, she wanted to have his son, uh, which was really ironic because his wife was already pregnant with their first son. But anyway. So that he uh, knows he made a mistake, he's found the Lord, and that he feels like he needs to, that, that, that God wants to take him to another level, and that he needs to uh, petition to re, that they need to redo his case, let him out of prison so that he can go out there and, and make a difference in the lives of others who may be on the path to do something just like he was. Even though nobody knew he was going to do that, he's going to go out there and help <laughs> Good other luck people. with that. like seriously exactly oh you want to go help him yeah exactly that's all you have to say (laughs) folks to get out of prison even though yeah we did not know you wanted to help people now that you do yeah i've seen conflicting reports on what his sentence was since since i we were talking about on the last podcast i saw somewhere else where it's three life sentences for each of the people he killed which makes sense and he got some additional years for killing the unborn child because in um in the state of Colorado, that doesn't count as a separate life, but there is um, a pretty severe punishment for the unlawful termination of a pregnancy for their unborn son. So right. anyway, with all that being said, he's he's going to be put away forever. And he's just like we said in the last episode, he's pretty silly to think he's going to get out just talking that kind of BS, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's super serious to me. One of the recording, one of the podcasts I listen to actually has a recording of the attorney and him talking, and in the attorney's telling him, you know, the different ways that we can do this, like we can petition this, we can do this, and he's just like, yeah, 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 that sounds good. Like, mm-hmm. really, dude? Don't get too excited here. You didn't murder some right. people. Uh, your whole and, family. And, Stop. And, and, and false <laughs> confessions really is a, a real problem. And we should probably do a podcast episode on that because it's it's a real phenomenon. It actually happens. But I think it's safe to say that Chris Watts is not a false confession. He really did this. So I'm not worried about him. He's right where he needs to be. And um, oh yeah. So, anyway, so I guess. I would be super mad if if he if they ever right, even gave him the time of day. <laughs> okay, so I wonder if we have anything yep. else to cover. It looks like it looks like we covered it all. Yeah, we did. All right, sounds great. Well, thanks, Renee. I appreciate everyone out there um, joining Renee and I on True Thank Crime Broads, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Good night. See you next time. Yes, yes. Money, net status in my crew. Everywhere we go, we dripping like we fool.
she could tell me. Why could you fast? You had a guess. Skirt off the block. 12 on the clock. I pay in cash. You do the math. I bust the bag. You took the tab. Why could you fast? You had a guess.